Hey, what's going on, you guys? It's me, Chunky Larry. And before we get going with this brand new podcast adventure that I find myself getting ready to set sail on, I, I just I have a couple of things that I have to clarify before before you start listening. Just just so you know, uh, I'm sure you would figure it out because you're all very intelligent. That's why you're listening to this show. Uh, but but I just I wanted to clar- clarify just in case in case it was confusing for you. Um, at the beginning of the show, I refer to the show as the horrific tales of horror. Uh, and then at the end of the show, I refer to it as the horrifying tales of horror. If you can hear, there's a dog that's uh, insistent on being a part of this intro. And, uh, you know, at this point, I, I've, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you the story in just a second. I'm, I'm just so over it that I'm just going to let the fucking dog bark. Uh, anyway, reason why it's, horrific to horrifying is because well um the original idea or the original name for the show was dylan and chunky's horrific tales of horror and we both kind of agreed after we had done the episode that dylan and chunky's horrifying tales of horror sounded much better uh so we are not the horrific tales of horror we're actually the horrifying tales of horror uh and you can follow us on Twitter at HorrifyingToh if, if you are so interested. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I kind of enjoyed it, that's where you'll find it. That, it, that handle didn't exist uh, at the recording of this episode. Also, um, I mentioned that I was going to be going to Hawaii in the episode. I actually... Uh, just got back from Hawaii, so that's that's why some of the stuff sounds a little bit dated, like the news segments and stuff like that. Like uh, we we talk about Elvira and don't mention that she's a lesbian. Which congratulations, Elvira! I, I I'm happy that you're living your truth. Yes. Um, no, can I have one, please? No, you can't have one of those. You know what you can have? A hug. <laughs> They dried. They did dry. I told you they would. But the balloon dried weird. Yeah, that happens. I, I'm just finishing up telling people why the show's uh, so late. Do you want to hang out for a second and you can you can help me tell them? I don't know. You don't know why? I don't know how to say them. Okay, so uh, we went on a trip to Hawaii rather than... Uh, Please don't play the guitar right now. We're talking. We're not playing music. We're talking. We went to Hawaii, and um, we're still decompressing from Hawaii, which is why this took as long as it took for it to be released. Uh, I'm going to now pass it off to the actual show, which is uh, Dylan and Chunky's Horrifying Tales of Horror. And, and, I, and I'll say it a couple of times through the course of this episode. Creature features... He's, he's tearing up helmets, uh, Stormtrooper helmets right now. Any chance you could do that in just like two minutes? Get away from there, please. None of that stuff is yours. Yes, yes, get your colorful rocks and come say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye.
enjoyed Dylan and Chunky's horrifying tales of horror on geeksoftheindustry.com. Put my He-Man down. <laughs> This is this is going to be something different. This is going to be a change of pace. For most of you listening, you've heard solely me on podcasts for uh, fuck. It seems like forever at this point. Uh, but we're going to be doing something new, and this is going to be like creature features, but also very much not like creature features uh, it's like creature features in the sense that it's a horror podcast um, let's just get that out of the way this is a horror podcast that is not named creature features on the geeks of the industry network and it is not going to be a one-man show that is gonna be solely for creature features going forward uh, but I, I being kind of the guy that leads these, these kind of ships to see it's task to me to introduce you to a very brand new venture uh one that i'm very much excited to get into we are going to be doing a brand new podcast again like i said tour and uh i can't do it alone so before we get even into what the name of this show is i want to first introduce the partner uh, the sidekick, the Robin to my Batman, the Red Hood to my Joker. Uh, I, I want to go with DC references because he's a DC nerd. <laughs> I, I I also want to talk about horror because he's a horror nerd. So we have we have a couple of things in common. I met him uh, a couple of years ago. We were you know kind enough to reach out to each other in the world of social media as horror podcasters do, and we got to talk and we became fast friends he's now probably in my top three of friends and i don't know if that's sad because we've never physically met but uh, i i think very highly of this guy he is a a podcaster a father and a husband and a horror fan to boot ladies and gentlemen Dylan Jarvis. How you doing, man? Hey, it's Larry. I'm glad I got that shining introduction. I was worried, well, you know, I, was worried uh, I was gonna miss it. Yeah, you you'd said uh, kind of pre show that you were gonna be like, oh, I, you know, uh, <laughs> when if we're gonna be doing this together, I'm not gonna get these cool intros anymore and um I'm just gonna have to one up you one ne- next episode. They're always off the titty and uh <laughs> you know, so it's it's never I never know kind of what I'm gonna give to the person when when I do them, um, so 
you'll have to do yours off the titty as well. Uh, but we are going to be doing a podcast. It will probably start bi-weekly. It might become weekly. Who knows? I know for a fact that uh, next week or this coming week, I'm going to be in Hawaii, so we won't be doing one then. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is Dylan and Chunky's Horrific Tales of Horror. And I'm really excited to do it. I, I feel like, you know, where I love doing Creature Features, it is a, a podcast that I've been doing for a while. Um, let's let's get that out of the way. Let's talk introductions because uh, I think Kevin Smith said it, that every podcast is somebody's first podcast. And this is technically our first podcast. Um, so what so I'm thinking... I, I say we spend about 40 minutes talking about mm-hmm. what craft beer we're drinking. Uh, it's funny that you say that because <laughs> I wanted to uh, kind of imbibe the hipster horror podcast, you know, bullshit that everybody does. So I, I went and instead of uh, instead of getting a pale ale, I got this high, it's uh, Tinley's Tonics High Horse cannabis infused tonic and there is uh 3.60 milligrams of thc and no cbd so it's just thc daddy (laughs) and i'm gonna take my first sip for the podcast this this one's for the working man all right it's not bad definitely tastes like weed So as a as a good little straight edge boy that I am, I have no idea what the fuck you just said, but I'm gonna trust that it's uh it's a good one. (laughs) It's it's a it's a marijuana tonic that was uh, bequeathed to me when I went to the dispensary to pick up my uh, marijuana. (laughs) 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 This this will be the first and only time I think that we do. This whole shtick that everybody else seems to just fucking love. Like, when did that start? Do you know? Because I I don't fucking, like, oh, what are you drinking? It's fucking, oh, you're drinking a pale ale? (laughs) So when I I first started listening to horror podcasts, I couldn't, it was a while ago, but um, I couldn't even tell you what I started out listening to, but I just know that we listened to so much, uh, my wife and I, and... We were we'd get so pissed because we'd be like nobody fucking cares because they talk about beer for forty minutes and then their personal lives for forty minutes and then it's like twenty minutes of the movie that they were wanting to record and then half the time they're getting facts wrong about the movie and we're just like what the hell is this so uh, we might get some facts wrong on this show oh hundred percent we do yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know by all means you can lambast us like rake us over the coals yeah. Um, I think this is a good place as any to tell people that we did set up a Facebook page for this, right? Yes. Uh, that's Facebook. the only thing that's been set up in the world of social media at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll start up an Instagram. It might be up by the time this episode drops, and I'll leave Twitter to you because I cannot I cannot keep up with Twitter. Uh, you know, honestly, dude, uh, because I keep getting kicked off of fucking Facebook, Twitter's kind of rad because, like, I don't think I could say anything... That's worse than people like coming in faces and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I'm not gonna say anything that uncouth. You know what I mean? It's like most of the shit I say is is pretty dumb. 
you know. <laughs> and and I and I'd like for this to be kind of in that vein. I, I you know we've talked a little bit, um, kind of in preparation for doing the show. It's like, what do you want it to? What do you want it to sound like? And and I, I was just like, it should sound like our conversations uh, through DMs. Yeah. Because we just we just sit there and shit on everything. And I, so... I, I, I also don't want to be redundant. I mean, you have creature features, and um, I have our podcast horror haven which we haven't done anything with in over a year now but i i feel like those two are ones that we really try to like take seriously and you know give movies the recognition they deserve where this Speak for ed- yourself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you heard the last couple of horror of uh creature features <laughs> i'm not i'm not very serious i i, I just i don't know dude like all right, so let's let's do that. Let's like I said, we were gonna we were gonna introduce ourselves, and I don't mm-hmm. think we've done that yet. Uh, my name is Chunky. <laughs> Hi, I'm a Pisces. Me too. I, 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 <laughs> are you really? Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Huh. See that we're learning stuff about each other, you guys. <laughs> uh, I, I said it, threw it out there, kind of flippantly as a joke. I didn't think I was gonna make a make a connection. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I started watching horror movies like they were always kind of in the peripheral of like my life because my parents were you know watched a lot of movies and most of the movies they would watch would be like martial arts films or shit with nudity or horror films and anything with nudity i would just have to cover my eyes for but horror films i had to go upstairs but what i would do because i was a kid and kids are dicks i would uh sneak to the top of the stairs and just kind of watch from the top of the series which you did you don't really get a feel of horror that way so i always tell the story that you know the first time i really really watched horror films like fell in love with them was the last day of the seventh grade and it was our sixth grade we were going into the seventh grade so it's like you know a momentous occasion where you know less of a kid more of an adult you know it, that weird awkward beginning of that puberty stage and my dad had just left and you know all this shit so we were it was the last day of school and so we ended up all like staying at a friend's house and we watched a bunch of horror movies and got pizza hut pizza and played video games and all this shit but the coup d'etat was uh we had put on nightmare on elm street and it fucking scared the ever-loving life out of me but also just instilled this like passion for wanting to find out more about horror films and i i'd always like lived in the video store but it became my obsession and it you know that was i was 11 and i am 40 now so yeah it's been a while i'm, I'm still into it it hasn't gone away and I, I, I started a horror podcast. Fuck. It, it has to have been like seven years now. Uh, I'd started by doing uh, a nightmare on Pod Street, which was me discussing the Nightmare on Elm Street horror uh, film franchise. And then I did Friday the Pod Teenth. And I was like, okay, I can't keep coming up with pod puns for these horror film <laughs> franchises. I just got to do a horror podcast. And that was kind of the birth of Creature Features. And, uh, you know, I've done a, 
about 230 episodes of that, not counting like the Horror Hall of Fames and a couple of other random like, you know, podcasts. But yeah, I, it's it's been a it's been a blast and uh, it was through the course of that show that I learned about the Horror Haven podcast. Dylan, take it away. Um yeah, I mean, I'm boring as shit, so uh <coughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I remember the first horror movie I remember watching was when I was a little kid. I remember watching Child's Play with my parents, and um, I I didn't watch horror a lot growing up. Uh, my my mom was very much like, you can't watch scary movies; you're gonna have nightmares. You can't watch them, and she just drilled that into my head. So I was always terrified to watch uh, horror movies. So. The first time I actually remember, like, at an older age getting into them was in middle school. Um, uh, A friend of mine was like, oh, you got to watch this movie. You got to watch this movie with me. And it was Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. And I was like, I can't watch that. I can't watch scary movies. I'm going to have a nightmare. (laughs) So finally he convinced me to watch this movie. And I was like, man, this isn't bad at all. It's actually just garbage. So... Uh, so uh after so that true. um i just i i wanted more i was like oh okay this isn't scary so i started you know digging into stuff and uh, same thing i mean i would go to the video stores all the time with uh, my parents so i'd start renting horror movies and watching more and more and more and yeah uh fast forward about four or five years ago uh, my wife and i moved from new york down to north carolina we didn't really know anybody down here and we were missing family and friends and everything, so we, we've we always both been really into horror movies, so we're like, fuck it, let's start a horror podcast, and we can jump on Skype and just have episodes with friends from back home, and that really helped us with, like, the homesick stuff and also kept us, like, excited throughout the week because we were, we were really fucking down when we first moved down here. We are like, we hate it. We want to go back home. So it gave us something to look forward to every week and, like, really connected us with a lot of people, like, Larry, we started talking to you, I think, really early on into starting the show. I think we had only had a couple episodes, and um, I, I've told you that. this a hundred times. I've, I've told you this a hundred times, and I'm not bullshitting you. Is uh, When we were like deciding that we wanted to start a podcast, we had listened to a few horror podcasts to kind of get an idea of like flow and what we wanted to do, and Creature Features was the only show that we had listened to where we're like, wow, this is decent. <laughs> like... We really weren't liking a lot of the ones we were listening to, and we didn't like the hosts. So uh, I, I, I don't remember who had reached out to who first, but I just remember telling you, like, "Oh yeah, I love your show." <laughs> and um, I, you know, that's something that I that I did a lot, or I do a lot. I love like finding new horror podcasts and just like big up in them and just being like, "Yeah, you guys, you know." I, listen to a couple of your episodes and they were great because that's what I do. I, I just prefer positivity. I, I, you know, I think that there's a lot of negativity inside of the horror genre. And, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a genre based on people murdering people, you know? So, uh, I think that there's a stigma that's associated with horror podcasts that, that tells people that, Oh, we're all fucking weirdos and we want to cut ourselves. And I'm sure to a certain extent that's true. I, you know, I've definitely been guilty of cutting myself. <laughs> but, 
but I was a teenager and, you know, it was a different time and, you know, definitely, uh, Get help if you're if you're sad or <laughs> whatever the the politically correct thing to say is when you tell somebody you used to cut yourself. <laughs> uh, but no, I I just I think that it's important, especially when you're starting out in a podcast, for people to just reach out and say, "Hey, you did a good job. Might I suggest this to improve?" Or you know, I really like this. That's the kind of shit people want to hear. They don't want to hear, oh, I don't like the pics you made on your list. I would have picked something. Make your own fucking podcast. And then I'll listen to that and I'll probably give you some good advice and try to, you know, cheer you on because that's that's what you're supposed to do. That's how the world works. Anyway, (laughs) speaking of which, let's talk dumbasses. I, I have certain things that that rubbed me the fucking absolute wrong way. And um, I felt like this would be a cathartic way to kind of get these things out of our system. And so I've come up with a segment that we're going to do maybe weekly or maybe episodically uh, or maybe not. It it just, if if the mood takes us and I call it shit takes. Oh, hey, you okay? Damn enchiladas! Oh, you gonna be all right? (laughs) Someone made a post yesterday in a group that I'm in, and they said, like, oh, which movie remakes, horror movie remakes, do you think are better than the originals and uh one of the comments was just this whole long thing about how every movie remake is better than the original because the graphics are updated and they just listed a bunch of uh movies that like movie remakes that they thought were better and it was just a whole laundry list of terrible remakes (laughs) but uh, oh god yeah the the second one was the second one it's not really a shit take but um I, I actually sent you the article, and it's about Halloween Kills, which comes out next month, and um, it, it's early early reactions for it, and basically, they're all really bad reactions and reviews, and it's saying it's just fan service, and it, the movie's just garbage and doesn't make sense, and I'm kind of like, yeah, you, you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys, if, if you haven't heard... We did a review on the 2018 Halloween film when it came out, and we were not very kind to it. <laughs> we did. I forgot about that. <laughs> it's the cockas. Yeah. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to make people turn this show off right now, but there's no such thing as a good Halloween sequel. Not a good one. There's no <laughs> such thing. I have yet to see one. Holy it's... resurrection. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but it, it's funny. Um, no, no, <laughs> it's, no, that's wrong. You're wrong. I'm sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't you dare. 
Uh, yeah, no, I hate the the fucking Halloween movies. I I love them, but I hate them because well the, the or, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, like the the first Halloween movie is perfect to me. It's like a perfect movie. It it, it does everything that it's supposed to do. It's full of tension. It builds on itself while maintaining a, a level of threat. So it has kind of a, a little bit more of a classic approach to the overall telling of the story. But then it, it still knows that it's like, okay, this is a horror movie. We can't you know, drag ass and then have it be nutty for the last like 15, 20 minutes. Like, I hate that approach to horror films. I, I've always hated that approach. And, you know, you can appreciate it when it gets to that point and I get that but I want to appreciate the first fucking 80 minutes <laughs> you know just, I don't know so um, personal, personal opinion because I this is a topic that I've seen for years debated do you think it was a dumb idea or a good idea to make Laurie Strode Michael's sister I thought it was a dumb idea I thought it okay. was unnecessary <laughs> yeah okay I thought that the the what was scary about the original Halloween is that there was no explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're, we're so preconditioned to needing to know the reason for everything awful that happens. And it's like sometimes shit just happens and it's awful and it's terrible. And, you know, there's people that are just fucking fucked up. And it, he, he didn't feel supernatural in the first film. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you can say, you know, getting shot a bunch of times, falling off of a fucking ledge, and then managing to bamf out of there is pretty fucking supernatural. But from every other point up to that, it's it's very, very fucking believable. And even, even you know, him getting up and getting away isn't necessarily unbelievable. But it, it, I mean, it's no, it's pretty fucking. Unbelievable. I think, I think the most unbelievable part of the original Halloween is that Michael knew how to drive a car. <laughs> Maybe somebody gave him lessons. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, as far as Halloween kills, uh, just from the trailer, I mean, we had talked about it when the trailer first came out. Um, just, like it starts out with him killing a whole fire department. It's like, why? Why? Yeah, the show is ridiculous. <laughs> and the then is... uh, it, you, you, they set these high expectations for it too. Like I've seen so much stuff calling Halloween Kills the Infinity War of Halloween movies, and it's like, yeah, set that expectation and see how that works out for you. Yeah, let's let's. Uh, it it doesn't look like a good movie, bro. Like uh, if and here's the thing, I go into these movies with low expectations so I can be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. And I'm very rarely am. <laughs> and maybe it's maybe it's because I've set, you know, my expectations of what a horror film should be uh, too high and a lot of modern horror films just don't grab grab me the way that films of like, you know, the eighties or the seventies kind of grab me. Yeah. Um you know, I have, I have a real kind of sweet spot uh, for the stuff that I got into. And it, and it was that period of time. It was just, it it felt daring and adventurous and 
you know, dangerous. And, and the traditional special makeup effects really added a level of tangibility that doesn't exist in these films that are done with CGI or practical effects, as I would call them. I don't like the term practical effects, and I, I've, you know, bashed that point over and over and over the head, uh, but I hate them. I, I hate that term. I feel like it's a minimization of the amazing work that makeup effects artists have done for years and years. I mean, you, you look at, like, uh, Night of the Living Dead's a perfect example of that, where, you know, you, you look at the original Night of the Living Dead, and that shit holds up to this day. Mm-hmm. And they use chocolate syrup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway. I, I think there was more creativity that goes into it. I mean, um, I always go to it. I feel like it's the go-to movie for it, but it's that way for a reason. But the thing, I mean, a lot of the effects on that were used, like they used bubble gum and shit. Yeah. But it looks amazing, and it's something that they can't recreate. <laughs> They tried. Yeah. They tried uh, with that thing remake. And I think that might be one of our next fucking talk topics. Uh, We'll get into that uh, down the road at the end of the episode. Uh, But I think remakes should be something that we talk about soon. Yeah, definitely. Just, you know. Um, But let's talk about some news. What do you say? News sounds good. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. Traffic accidents, one a fatal hit the district. A Beaver County man is being held for murder. And I'll check these and other top local stories right after this message from the Natural Gas Company. So we've got a little bit of news, a little bit of bleeding news. Um, I, let's because we've already been kind of talking about Halloween. I think it's apropos that we just kind of uh, get a couple of Halloween stories, news stories out of the way. Um, let's start with the, uh, the the critical weakness of Michael Myers, and I think you know what the critical weakness of Michael Myers is, right? Peacock streaming service. No, Kung Fu. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he, he's always getting beaten by Kung Fu, and, and this year is no different. Uh, the Labor Day uh, record that has been held by the 2007 Halloween, uh, directed by Rob Zombie, which if you want uh, to hear my opinions on that, there's about uh, an hour and a half review. <laughs> In this stream, which you could go back into the back catalog and, and give a listen to, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rehash all of those feelings again because that would just, that would take us forever. But in spite of itself, it was one of the highest-grossing Halloween uh, sequels, remakes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, to that point, I think they've been dethroned. At this point, by Halloween 2018, if I'm not mistaken, I, I did not pull.
pull that fact up so I don't have that fact available. But I'm pretty sure that Halloween 2018 did dethrone Halloween 2007. Uh, but they held this record for Labor Day release for the last seven year, or 14 years. What year do you think it is? <laughs> I thought it was 2014. I wished it was 2014. God, it would be so nice to be 2014 again. CM Punk would be out of wrestling. I, my grandma would still be alive. <laughs> oh, that's dark. No particular uh, order. <laughs> yeah, neither one. <laughs> Take out whatever you want it. Uh, but the the movie was Kakas, but it had a fourteen year old strangled on a holiday weekend. But that has been just drastically kicked into shambles. Uh, I believe that Halloween, the two thousand seven film, made something to the effect of thirty six million. It's opening weekend, which held the record, and uh, that was, again, obliterated by the $94.4 million that Shang-Chi and the Tin Rings garnered over Labor Day weekend. I know that's old news and um, all that, but I I think it's important when, when a record is broken to kind of yeah, we weren't doing a podcast then. God damn it! <laughs> I'm I'm fine with old news because it means taking Halloween 2007 down a peg. So yeah, yeah, that too. You could have brought this up months late, months from now, and I'm cool. With it it. would have still been fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more Halloween news. Uh, Halloween Kills, as we were talking about, looks like caca, but it is. It is there's there's a sigh of relief. In, in the horizon because uh, you can stream Halloween Kills when it's released on Peacock. If you have the premium service, which most people who have like Xfinity get just for free, um, you can see Halloween Kills. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I got Xfinity for my internet service and so they had offered us this fucking box that's like, uh, like their equivalent of the Roku and it comes mm-hmm. with the Peacock. So I don't have to illegally stream. I mean, go to the theater to see it. (laughs) Uh, I I, honestly, dude, I have no fucking interest in this movie. I'm in no rush to watch it. I don't. I mean, if you want to cover it on here, I'll watch it. I think we should. Yeah. Uh, You know, because we're in spooky season and, uh, but I'm sure like, 500 fucking horror podcasts are going to be coming on themselves to talk about this movie. Um, so we're just going to be like one of thousands of voices talking about it. But, you know, I think it'll probably be like a fair and balanced thing for us to honestly review it. Yeah. It, like, if it's good, dude, like, I will, I will fucking come out here and I will say, I was wrong. It was really good. I will. But I don't think I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> I like the the I one of the things I hate to do and and I think I've told you this off air is I hate watching trailers for mm-hmm. movies I haven't seen because I don't want to have preconceived notions of what the movie is. You know, if you're if you're releasing a teaser, it should tease, not tell you the whole fucking film. And I feel like that fucking Halloween trailer tells you the whole film. 
Yep. Like beat by beat, it, it like goes through the whole fucking movie, and you know you you see like little images of like Laurie Strode uh, carrying a butcher knife in a hospital because of course that's totally fucking something you do right, <laughs> and I guess uh, they're they're taking the Halloween two approach and keeping it in the same night and that kind of thing. You know, you know the movie that they 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 wanted no part of. They didn't want to acknowledge. For why didn't they want to acknowledge that film? I don't know, but it's it's just created a wave of that's that's the new thing now is sequels. And I guarantee you, I've been saying this from the start. I guarantee you that the new Scream movie that comes out is going to be a sequel that ignores Scream two, three, and four because horror, Scream has always been kind of a copy parody type whatever you want to call it of what's going on in horror right now and that's that's it and so if they get rid of two three and four they could put jamie kennedy in there mm-hmm. yeah yep um and, and leave schreiber cotton weary yep but uh cotton weary <laughs> but they they even said too that the movie's just being called scream which again they just called halloween halloween because I'm so apathetic when it comes to these scream films. Like I, I, I was excited for the second one, and I was I felt burned, but I but I gave the third one a chance, and I went to the theater and saw it, and I was like, yeah, that's the last time I'm doing that. <laughs> so I waited like waited a long ass time to watch Scream Four when it came out on fucking dvd or whatever the fuck and um yeah i didn't miss anything yeah it, it it's i'd say four uh, was better, a little, slightly better than three but i mean but that's not saying much no dude. it's that's not like it's not at all that's like saying do you want to get fucking raped and murdered or murdered and raped yeah <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know dude. it's just it's it's terrible either either option's bad yeah um Moving on, kind of cleanse the palate from those two caca things. Elvira is returning to the screen. Well, the small screen. She's she's doing basically what Joe Bob Briggs did and uh, bringing back her show. And she's doing it on Shudder. Now, was that confirmed? Because I know that... Um... It, it, we had seen the We Got This, but I... I did some research. She did put a video out. Okay, cool. Basically saying that in, uh, I think it's in like two weeks, she's going to release the first one, and it's gonna it's all leading up to, of course, Halloween. And I think Joe Bob Briggs is also doing one of those last drive-in things where he's like, this is the very last one. <laughs> I promise. It's like, you know, Kiss retiring. It's the same fucking <laughs> But I I'm excited because like for me, Elvira's you know that was that was what I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Like you know it, you know I do a show called Creature Features, but my my original horror host was Elvira. Like it wasn't Vampire, it wasn't any of these fucking dudes. It was Elvira, and you know I became a man. 
watching Elvira. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she, uh, she's a sweetheart too. We met her yeah. a while back and really, really nice person. So yeah. I'm, I'm for it. I, I'll do my, uh, I, I feel like once a year I, uh, renew my subscription to shutter for a month Yeah, and then I, I use it for about three days. I'm like, all right. Watched everything yeah, good got, on here. Got my ten dollars worth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then don't touch it again for another year. So uh, is but, there like I, I've and I, I guess this makes me a bad horror fan, but I've never fucking gotten a Shutter subscription. I just like what is there there on that site that I just, so like, that I'm that's my out. thing. I, I wish they did more exclusives. They did the the Creep Show TV series. And um, they have. It seems like they're trying to push a lot more exclusive stuff. They have the Joe Bob Briggs thing, and um, mm-hmm. it, it looks like they're starting to try and release more movies exclusively on there. But for the most part, and the reason why I always cancel my subscription is, like, good ninety percent of the movies that are on there are on like, Tubi TV and like all those free streaming services that you can get. So yeah. Like, I've got Amazon Prime, I've got HBO Max, I've got Netflix, yeah. I've got, you know, all these fucking streaming services. Why do I need Shutter? Yeah. A lot of what? a lot of the movies you can find, um, even, like, legally, for free, on other platforms. platforms so yeah. yeah. So I, I really never had a reason to keep it. So. And, and everything that they, like... I mean... I like Joe Bob Briggs, but I don't want to pay to watch him watch a movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to pay for that. Does that make me a cheapskate? Probably. But it's my money, so I get to decide what it, with it what I buy. And I ain't buying it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I might buy it just for to see Elvira. Though you spend $5 I have, I use it for her a her month Instagram. and you done. So I, I I get to see her there, <laughs> and and I, I've gotten kind of my full extent. Like the the movies that she's uh, gonna do is uh, Mistress of the Dark. I know is one of the movies that she's putting up, um, and then I think the other one was Carnival of Souls, which I love. Carnival of Souls. It's a fucking great Carnival movie. Of Souls. But I don't. I don't need to hear her opinion on it. <laughs> not not for money, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know, dude. Uh, is Are you at that point where you subscribe to so many things where you're just like, eh, it's really got to, like, sell me. I don't, I'm not just going to give you my money. I mean, at the same time, though, like, I wouldn't pay for it, but it's pretty much the same as podcasting. I mean, you're going to listen to horror review podcasts to hear those people's opinions on it. But I don't think it's something that I would pay for. But I, I won't would, subscribe I would, to their Patreon. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I you know I, I wouldn't pay for a podcast ever. <laughs> yeah, and I'll never charge for this podcast. No. Like, I'm I'm sorry. I I just, you know, get your money, boo boo. But I personally think, you know, you're just talking. There's nothing that you're saying that I need to pay you to hear. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, again, I've got three fucking kids. I got a wife with expensive tastes. I, I, I ain't dipping there, dude. I, yeah, you, you got to win me over. You got to love your Negro man, and 
<laughs> you're not you're not loving me with just saying, oh yeah, Elvira's back. I could watch the old shows on YouTube. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, Malvolia is back. And she's going to be doing her Halloween special pretty soon, too. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, by the way, this is a cheap plug, fucking plug for Queen Malvolia. Go go check her shit out. Yeah. Check her out. Uh, last bit of news. Jaretta Jaretta, friend of the show, is going to be working with Lamberto Bava, uh, Claudio Simonetti, and uh, the composer from Demons 2, I forget what his name is, uh, Simon something. They're going to be working on an unofficial Demons 3. And one of the people that they've uh, announced is in the cast, which I'm fucking excited for, is Linnea Quigley. I, really? Yes. I'm really excited for this. They're, they're going to be shooting it in New Orleans uh, sometime next year, I think in April, uh, somewhere around that ballpark. And I just worked a convention with Jaretta and uh, hung out and got to, because she's represented by 13th Level Booking, who I am close with. And uh, he had showed me, Jason, by the way, he had showed me something that he was like, I can't show you this, but... I'm going to show you this, and the news will be out soon, so please hush, hush. And he turned his phone to me, and it was the Demons logo, but the E in Demons was turned around, so it was a three. And I fucking marked the fuck out. And I know you said you hadn't seen the original Demons yet, right? Have you rectified that problem yet? I, I have not yet. My My knowledge of Italian horror is very minimal. Um, I, I don't dislike Italian horror. I The movies that I've seen, I've loved. I just haven't delved deep enough down that rabbit hole to watch a lot. But uh, what I've seen from Lombardo and... Dario? Yeah, yeah sorry. I, my, <laughs> sorry, my, my daughter woke up. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, everything that I've seen, I've been a huge fan of. Um, so I will rectify that problem soon. You should, because it's it's fucking genuinely a rad, like, unconventional 80s horror film. And it's uniquely its own. It's one that I, I'm surprised I've never reviewed, but mm. I haven't. And uh, I should probably rectify that as well. <laughs> as, let's see if I can get Jared. I don't know. It's weird if I get Jared on there to review it. If I yeah. say anything kind of uncouth. <laughs> Though I don't think I would. Because I fucking love that movie. And uh, it's, again, a lot of fucking fun. It's very Italian. But um, I don't know. I, I feel like it plays. It translates. Demons 2, I'm less of a fan of. But it's still very good. And sequels. then, and then they kind of venture off into things like Lichesa and uh, the Ogre and the, the Sect, and there, there's there's all these kind of offshoot demon sequels that are, you know, uh, like uh, Michele Suave uh, directed Lichesa and uh, I believe the Sect. Uh, I'm just going off of memory, so. Please, Italian horror heads, please don't don't fucking kill me. Don't don't impale me through the anus out my mouth with a pike. 
uh, a la Cannibal Holocaust. I, I do, I do watch these films. I know them and I love them. And, uh, I actually had the opportunity because again, I talked to Jaretta to give my take on what they should call the film because they can't call it Demons 3 because, it, you know, then you got to talk to Dario and, uh, they could talk to Dario, but Dario's going to be like, I want my money. <laughs> Give me the money. You know, I, that, I, love, that little... I love the irony in that because of how many knockoff Italian, like, not sequels there are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, it's comedic how many knockoffs. Uh, like, there's this one that's called The Black Cat. I actually reviewed it when I was doing uh, the Dario Nicolati special uh, when she had passed away. And it's basically the third mother, uh, you know, Lacris, uh, Mater Lacrinarum, uh, the mother of tears. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the one that, that they ended up doing later on, uh, Dario did with Asia. And it, it's, it's kind of terrible. Uh, well, this one's not much better. It's directed by Luigi Corsi, and uh, it, in a weird way, is connected to demons. So, yeah, yeah, fucking really weird. Luigi yeah. Corsi, uh, if you've never seen any of his films, he he always seems to go like otherworldly. So it's like a demons crossover with the mother, three mothers. Yes. Story. Okay. And and uh, with the mindset of the guy who did the Lou Ferrigno Hercules movies, so okay, just yeah, it's it's nutty and weird. Um, the Black Cat for any of you that are listening in and you're like, what well, I want to watch that. It's it's called The Black Cat. It's available on YouTube. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> not talking about old movies anymore let's talk about new movies new movies that you are excited for dylan are you gonna have me start yeah i i don't have any new movies that i'm excited for so you're gonna just list off some new movies that you're eager to see okay so i have i have two specifically um that are i've been looking forward to one of them is one that was supposed to be released like a year and a half ago, and because of, I don't know, some pandemic that happened, they haven't released mm. it. Um, and that's Antlers. Uh, it's a movie about a Wendigo? Yeah. Like a Rougarou? Maybe. <laughs> Rougarou no, is uh, the Louisiana version of the Wendigo. Okay. Yeah. Um, Werewolf. It, it, it looks good. It looks creepy. I believe it's produced by Guillermo del Toro. Mm. And it's directed by Scott Cooper, who usually does, like... Like, he did the Black Mass movie with uh, Johnny Depp a while back. But it's really outside his style. Mm-hmm. Um, it's starring Carrie Russell. It, it looks genuinely creepy. So I've been looking forward to that for a long time. And now they're starting to release trailers saying that it's actually gonna come out soon so i'm hoping that it actually comes out soon there's been no actual release date yet but yeah um there's that and then going back to the shutter conversation a uh, series that i enjoy it's not 
by any means good, but they're fun movies. Uh, in a few weeks, they're releasing VHS 1994. Those are the uh, they're like uh, like creep show where it's just yeah, a but it's found it's found footage. Yeah, so um, the directors and writers that are doing it are the ones that did the first two movies. And they're they're great. I love them. They're they're fun movies. Um, I'm very very hit or miss with found footage movies, but these ones, it, same thing. Uh, it's an anthology. Each segment is done by a different like writer and director. So mm. there's some that are really just not great, but there's some that are just super fucking fun to watch. So I'm really excited for that one. Yeah, it's hit, uh, anthology films to me are, are weird because. He, you can fucking put a banger in in there, mm-hmm. and then if it's other fucking filmmakers doing it, then you you run the risk of like your shit getting lost amongst other shitty shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like, oh yeah, this part was really cool, but the rest of this fucking movie was unwatchable. There's or if a your uh, your good a short in. is in the middle. And yeah. there's a bunch of shitty ones that lead up to that. It's I don't know, dude. Like that's that's the the game you play with anthology horror. Yeah, there's a there's a segment in the second one called Safe Haven, and I won't ruin it for anybody who's listening who might not have seen it. But fucking, it's one of the creepiest fucking things I've ever watched. <laughs> really, really well done. And I, I know that people who have watched these movies that enjoy them, it's like unanimous that that is the greatest one in this and the director who did that is actually doing a segment in the new movie so i'm going in with high hopes for that one okay um what else you got Uh, those are uh, those are the only two that i'm really looking forward to (laughs) okay so uh, can i recommend uh anthology horror that i really liked yeah 100 percent uh there this isn't new uh but the volumes of or yeah the volumes of blood series is Mm -hmm. fucking fantastic to me and again you get different directors doing different segments but there's like a through line story that goes on in it and uh, it's it's overall directed by pj starks who i just genuinely enjoy um if you haven't given those a chance those are really good and uh you know since we're in spooky season trick-or-treat yeah, trick or treat. It's fun. also uh, technically anthology. Yeah, uh, volumes of blood is great. I actually, you can pick up a copy of the movie through Scream Team releasing. I picked up a Blu-ray like three, two or three years ago. I don't remember mm-hmm. when it was, and it's signed by like a bunch of people that worked on the movie. So, yeah, fun stuff. And you know when when they're independent but they're rad, they they just kind of hit different to me. Yeah, you know because it's like a big budget horror film you're you're going in expecting them to knock it out of the park and you're often disappointed with a low budget horror film you more often than not you're like okay let's give them the benefit of the doubt and somebody really just kind of drops dick and it's like oh all right then what the fuck are you doing and uh you know that's that to me was my impression when i watched uh, the volumes of blood series uh I also really like uh, Nathan Thomas Milliner. He did a uh, one of the scenes in the first volumes of Blood. 
I, I like the second volumes of blood a little bit more just because it it has kind of uh, it's gonna be such an obscure fucking reference but uh, an Amazon woman from the moon quality to it so just take that with <laughs> with you <laughs> as it were um we're gonna do something that I think we're gonna do in every single one of these episodes next and I th- think I just feel like this is important because I'm all about horror history and uh, it is called this week in horror all right let's let's do this the way that uh, I want to do it because I'm the one holding the reins this week uh, we're gonna start with birthdays uh, celebrating birthdays this week, I only grabbed two. There were there were a couple others like Jennifer Tilly's birthdays this week, and I, I you know giving her a shout out because again, Bound made me a man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Roddy McDowell, he was born September seventeenth, nineteen twenty eight. He was Peter Vincent in the Fright Night movies, and. Um, he was also in the Planet of the Apes films. I think he's like an underrated fucking actor. Uh, one of my favorite films of his, he's barely in it, but it's uh, class of 1984. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this scene where he just, he loses his shit on the class in, and just like goes crazy, pulls a gun on these kids and shit. It's, it's a nutty fucking film. If you haven't seen Class of 84, I would definitely recommend that. Um, it may be, you know, when you when you listen to these episodes, just pencil and paper. Or, you know, pause and write down these recommendations because I'm giving you gems. <laughs> so, Class of 1984 is my, my uh, Peter Vincent, uh, Roddy McDowell <laughs> recommendation. Uh, other birthday this week, uh, also September 17th, surprisingly, the mistress of the dark herself, Elvira. And if I were to recommend something Elvira for you to consume, uh, for, because I, I don't want to spend too much time on Elvira. I think we already did when we talked about her return. Uh, but if I were going to recommend something to you, it would be Elvira's Haunted Hills. It's got Richard O'Brien, who was in... The Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's Riff Raff. Uh, he's in it, and you know anything that is Rocky Horror Picture Show adjacent for me is like the shiznit. Uh, but also when I worked, because one of the things I did a lot when I was younger is worked at Spirit every year. Um, even if I had a job at the time, I, w- I would have two jobs in October, and um, I remember one year, one of my favorite years. I was working at a video store. It was Ultimate Video. And they had opened up a spirit right next door. So I would not clock out for work at the video store. And I would go clock in at spirit. And instead of working in the store, they would let me put on a costume and sign wave. And I got to get, like, ridiculously creative with the costumes and shit. Like they just they just were like oh yeah yeah we'll fucking pay you to do this, <laughs> and yeah um, when when you have Spirit Halloween at your like fucking beck and call where you could pick you just have King's fucking ransom of whatever you want inside of the fucking store and you could just just put something together and 
go out and fucking bring people in. I used to fucking go for it. Dude. I would play characters and shit. Uh, one of my favorite costumes that I put together, and it wasn't something that they had had there, was uh, my snake Pliskin. Like I brought my, I I went with uh, Escape from L.A. Snake Pliskin, and uh, so I brought my leather jacket. I had had a leather trench coat because I was a fucking uh, dork, <laughs> and uh, you know, like I'd gotten like a tank top and shit, but I got all the gun shit and i you know obviously had camo because i was a dork um but it just it at that point i had actually had hair like really long hair uh so it it was it was fucking dope dude uh, another one i did was uh i dressed up like jesus and uh, i made a cross <laughs> I'm sure that went over well. <laughs> um, so what I did because because I'm fucking weird and they let me do it. And if you let me do it, I'm gonna definitely do it. I ended up uh, in the mask area. I'd set a, a chair up underneath the cross where you couldn't see it behind the mask counter, and stood on the chair and put my arms on the cross and just hung there for an hour or two hours. <laughs> people were shopping <laughs> happy birthday Elvira uh, movies released this week in horror uh, In I put these together in chronological order because you know I'm a dork uh from September 18th, 1963, The Haunting. Did you ever see that? Um, seems like something you would have seen. I, I did not see The Haunting. I didn't even see the remake of The Haunting. I think I've seen the remake. I don't think I've watched the original. Yeah, so we're going to move on from that one to <laughs> September 18th of 1987. Uh, a little film by the name of Hellraiser. The worst, that, right? the worst haircut in movie history. Which one? Uh, fucking what's her name? The stepmom. The, the step. No. The worst haircut no. in movie history. A hundred percent. I can't think of what off the top of my head that's worse than it. But Julia's haircut in Hellraiser. <laughs> You're not topping that shit. Man, I don't know, dude. Like, to me, Julia was always like the dignified slut and i loved it because she had like the british accent but she was she was a dirty girl (laughs) (laughs) like and and i always got conflicted boners jesus christ (laughs) watching that movie because the the fucking uh the relationship that she had with frank was it was so tawdry but it was like uh her husband's name's larry uh (laughs) and you know i i don't know dude like i i I really fucking love that fucking movie uh apparently and we were supposed to talk about this in the news but i i kind of glossed over it because i knew we were going to come back here uh there are two different productions currently underway for hellraiser remix one is a television program the other is a full-fledged movie and 
the the idea is that they're trying to go more into the hellscape of like the original films the original three films to me are the only ones that really feel i i guess the fourth one as well but the rest of them all just you know were regular ass movies that they just threw pinhead in yeah yeah and really really the third one too uh, i wasn't a fan of really the first two were the only ones that i really enjoyed see i like the third one where you get the cd dude and it's directed <laughs> yeah. by anthony hickox who yeah. did uh warlock 2 the armageddon uh i just dug his style of filmmaking and he he did a lot of angular shots and it was a lot of blue hues and all that shit so i you know i i fucking dug it but mm. I, I like the dark tone of the first two. I, I think the third one was where it started getting into the cheesy 80s vibes that I'm really not a huge fan of. So, And uh, the fourth one is just... It had so much potential, but studio meddling just fucking yeah. ruined that movie. And it's it's an Alan Smithy film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really all you need to say. Because the studio fucked it so much. And, yeah, there you go. Weinstein fucking something up in Hollywood. (laughs) Hello, Robert England here, a.k.a. Freddy Krueger. And you're listening to geeksoftheindustry.com. Don't fall asleep. (laughs) Ha 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 ha! And now, for this week in true crime. This is Otis Toole, whom the law has judged sane of mind. He is currently serving a prison term of over 300 years at Stark Penitentiary in Florida. He granted us an interview. What what do you prefer in life? Uh, Sex or fire? Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I like both. Otis Toole was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. Toole's father was an alcoholic who abandoned him. While his abusive mother would, according to Toole, dress him in girls' clothing and call him Susan. Toole claimed that as a young child, he was the victim of sexual assault at the hands of close relatives and acquaintances, including his older sister and next-door neighbor. He also claimed that his maternal grandmother was a Satanist who exposed him to various Satanic practices and rituals in his youth, including self-mutilation and grave robbing, and dubbed him the devil's child. I'm uh, what you call uh, claimed this abuse began when he revealed his homosexuality to his family. Tool was often classified as suffering from mild mental retardation with an IQ of 75. He also suffered from epilepsy which resulted in frequent grand mal seizures. 
Throughout Tool's childhood, he frequently ran away from home and often slept in abandoned houses. He was a serial arsonist from a young age and was sexually aroused by fire. A paramaniac can be most anything, but I'm much called a power maniac. <laughs> In the documentary, which is entitled Death Diploma, Tool claimed that he was forced to have sex with a friend of his father when he was five years old. Poole dropped out of school in the ninth grade and began visiting gay bars. He also claimed to have been a male prostitute as a teenager and became obsessed with gay pornography. He claimed to have committed his first murder at the age of 14 when, after being propositioned for sex by a traveling salesman, Tool ran over the salesman with his own car. Tool was first arrested at age 17 in August of 1965 for loitering. Do you remember the first time? The first few times? Just like I said, just like talking to me, just like that. And what you get into? Ain't nothing to it. Just like the drinking a cup of coffee, smoking cigarette. Once you get into the habit, you do it more and more. Much information between 1966 and 1973 is unclear, but authorities believe that he began drifting around the southwestern United States and that he was supporting himself by prostitution and panhandling. While living in Nebraska, Toole was one of the prime suspects in the 1974 murder of 24-year-old Patricia Webb. Shortly after he left Nebraska, he briefly settled in Boulder, Colorado. One month later, he became a prime suspect in the homicide of 31-year-old Ellen Hallman, who was murdered on October 14, 1974. With many accusations against him, Toole left Boulder and headed back to Jacksonville. On January 14, 1976, he married a woman of 25 years his senior. She left him three days after, after discovering his homosexuality. In 1976, Toole met Henry Lee Lucas at a Jacksonville soup kitchen, and they developed a sexual relationship. Toole later claimed to have accompanied Lucas in 1,008 murders, sometimes at the behest of a cult called the Hands of death. You know when you get the 
excited to really pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. I feel like you. You uh, you can't really stabilize. But if it's done in a pattern, the same way all the time, or the same kind of way, then uh, it's a pattern. Same thing. Otherwise, you're losing the same thrill all the time, in the same matter of way. But if you're doing all kinds of different ways, ain't no pattern. I mean, you do you do more than one the same kind of way. But if you change the pattern, see, otherwise, if you really do things like that, there ain't no pattern. If you do it different kind of ways, that's why they have different numbers, you see. It's a different pattern, different figures, different patterns. Is it hard to feel? It don't make it different. Really. A person's a killer you know, it don't make it different who it is. Just don't go on bugs and still kill it. You kill a hog, you still kill it. So it, it don't make it different what you kill, really. And then if you need to cut that somebody, it's just like butchering a hog, you see, or a cow. Ain't no difference. It's just a, no different, I reckon. But you're a little bit above the key salt somewhere. You gotta tell when I get roasted. Not much more at all. <laughs> Police, however, discounted the uncorroborated claims of the cult's existence. On January 4, 1982, Toole barricaded a 65-year-old George Sonnenberg in a boarding house where he was living in Jacksonville and set the house on fire. Sonnenberg died a week later of the injuries he sustained in the fire. In April 1983, Tool was arrested for an unrelated arson incident in Jacksonville. He confessed to the crime and was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Tool signed a confession stating that he and Sonnenberg had begun a sexual relationship and after the two had an argument, Tool set Sonnenberg's home on fire. Some people do it different, you say. Some of them hate women, some of them hate men. You got some of them, what you call love hate, you say. Different, different kind of people, you know. Only kind of, only kind of person I never killed. I never killed a child. During Toole's trial for murdering George Sonnenberg, Toole claimed that he did not light the home on fire and had only signed the confession so he would be extradited back to Jacksonville. On April 28, 1984, a jury found Toole guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced him to death. 
Later that year, Toole was found guilty of the February 1983 strangulation murder of a 19-year-old Tallahassee, Florida woman and received a second death sentence. Both sentences were later commuted to life in prison. And that's what I am. I know that. But I don't understand the thing. You gotta understand yourself before you can understand anything outside of this woman's day. Two months later in June, his accomplice, Henry Lee Lucas, was arrested for unlawful possession of a firearm. It was then Lucas began boasting about the murderous rampage orchestrated by the two. At first, Toole had denied involvement, but later began backing up Lucas's confessions. Lucas also backed up the confession to the murder of Adam Walsh. I kissed uh, Adam goodbye. He was six and a half years old at the time, our only son. We were, we had the American dream. We had the beautiful home. I was the happiest guy around. And I kissed Adam goodbye that morning and never saw him again. Now to a dramatic turn in the story of John Walsh. As you know, he's made a career out of helping police solve crimes on his TV show, America's Most Wanted. But there was one case he couldn't crack, the murder of his own son, Adam. Now, more than a quarter century after the six-year-old disappeared, police in South Florida have declared the case solved. Using actors, we will recreate crimes of dangerous fugitives, often at the locations where they took place. It kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. We believe these stories demand telling. The baby was dead. And you can make a difference. Your phone tips led the FBI to David James Roberts. James Ray Rett pulled out his own teeth and shaved his head to keep from being recognized. It didn't work. Good evening from San Francisco. from Central Illinois. Four of America's most wanted have been captured this week and we're in custody within six hours. On October 21st, 1983, while he was imprisoned for two unrelated murders, Toole confessed to the 1981 murder of six-year-old Adam Walsh. A few weeks after Toole made the confession, however, police officers who were investigating the case announced that they had lost Toole's impounded car and machete. Toole claimed that he picked up Walsh in a Sears Mall parking lot. Toole stated that Adam Walsh came willingly because he offered Walsh candy and toys. Walsh soon wanted to go home and began to cry. Toole said that he then punched Walsh in the face Walsh started to cry again, and according to Toole, he began to wallop Walsh, knocking him out. Toole eventually pulled over in a rural area and decapitated Walsh with a machete. 
He drove around with Walsh's head for several days, forgot about it, and after he rediscovered it, tossed it into a nearby canal. Hollywood, Florida police chief Chadwick Wagner said that Tool had been the prime suspect all along, but he went on to admit that although Tool's case was weak, he could have been charged during the original investigation of it. Wagner acknowledged the fact that many mistakes were made by the department and apologized to the Walsh family on its behalf. It is inherently my responsibility on behalf, of, on behalf of this police agency to express my remorse to the Walshes and indicate to them the emphasis we have placed on this continuing investigation regardless of the initial investigative difficulties. Having analyzed and reviewed the Adam Walsh investigative files several times during the last year, I had the opportunity to meet retired Miami Beach homicide detective Joe Matthews, who sits back here to the left, who has been involved in this case since its inception and who had conducted an independent review and investigation of this case. Consistent with the opinions of investigators past and present, I agree with the ultimate conclusion of this independent investigation that Otis Tool was the perpetrator of this crime. With the acknowledgement that our investigation placed Otis Tool in Hollywood, Florida, at or near the time of Adam's abduction, along with the multiple confessions countered by several subsequent re recantations, our agency has devoted an inordinate amount of time seeking leads to other potential perpetrators rather than emphasizing Otis Tool as our primary suspect. One common denominator remains following an additional 12 years of investigating leads and interviewing potential witnesses after the court ordered disclosure of the investigative files that the pedophile convicted murderer, Otis Tool, has continued to be our only real suspect. Wagner also acknowledged the fact that the lack of new evidence and inability of Tool to defend himself could provide the room for skeptics to doubt Tool's guilt, saying, if you're looking for that magic wand, that one piece of evidence, it's not there. The Hollywood Police Department is announcing today that it is our determination and conclusion that Otis Tool was the abductor and murderer of Adam Walsh. In response to the naming of his son's alleged murder, John Walsh stated, we can now move forward knowing positively who killed our beautiful little boy. I was intent upon finding who got at him and killed him, and I was gonna to try to figure out a way to how to kill him. I was bent on revenge. I couldn't work, I couldn't eat, and this woman said, there is nothing to help missing children. I wanna do something to make sure. And she said it to me one night at the lowest point of our life, she said, we forgot who the real victim is. Adam is. We're left behind. Let's make sure he didn't die in vain. The decision was finally reached when Tool's niece told John Walsh that her uncle confessed that he had murdered and decapitated Adam on his deathbed in prison. Tool died of cirrhosis at the Florida State Prison on September 15th, 
1996. 25 years ago this week, at the age of 49, his body went unclaimed and he was buried in the Florida State Prison Cemetery. true crime shit and i remember um reading about Otis Sewell a while back um i know that he's always closely associated with henry lee lucas but i know that a big part of it like you had said when you were reading it was that he was just confessing to anything that was brought to him so a lot of um, investigators and detectives and stuff were just bringing him cold cases that they just wanted to close and they'd be like hey did you do this he'd, he'd say yes sign a confession they said okay that's it we're done so the it's, details it's, are, are super duper fucking wild with the adam yeah. walsh one yeah. like that shit was that was rough that was a rough fucking read <laughs> uh, just uh, so fucking brutal and there are people like that that exist in this fucking world, dude, yeah. and 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 we we've probably met one or two of them. We've probably I, been I in can, their houses. I can share a story on another day on that one. <laughs> I, I look forward to hearing that one. Uh, yeah. If if I don't bring it up, uh, anybody listening, definitely remind me to bring it up. <laughs> but we got one more thing left to go, man. Yep. And uh, I think this is this is where we're gonna we're gonna have some fun here. We're gonna, gonna we're be gonna, torn apart. <laughs> we're we're well, you never know. I I, I think that uh, you might be confused or um, maybe surprised by my list. We we are going to do this every week. Uh, we're gonna close with a top five. I feel like it's a it's a podcast cliche, but you know. Cliche, 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 bitch. <laughs> uh, we're going to start because, again, this is kind of more of a getting to know you episode to me. And I think what better way to get to know somebody than to list off their top five favorite horror franchises. Yeah. And anybody listening, if you want to let us know your top five favorite horror franchises, we want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Social I'm media. Yeah, social media. Social media. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, like, like you had said, you it, it was really hard. It was really hard narrowing and... it down to five. Uh, so, we do have some honorable mentions. I And even that, I've switched this list so many times, just like yeah. switching in my honorable mentions. So. I might, I, dude, I, I, I might have to do a tied for fifth place or something. <laughs> yeah, I had a real tough time with limiting it to only five. And then I didn't want to have like a shit ton of honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one other thing that I, I did not tell you I was going to do, but I definitely did. I kept um, away from the, the bigger named franchises like Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Hellraiser. I did not do that. Yeah, I did. 
I did. Because I wanted to be like one of these elitist pricks that you would meet at the <laughs> video store. But no, everybody... I just wanted to be honest. I, I mean, they're they're the big names for a reason, so I I definitely wanted to be honest with mine and throw them in there where I. I, I, I just I just feel like if I if I put those in there, okay, there goes three or four, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I just I just felt like everybody would say those, so they don't need to be in there. Yeah, I mean, my my whole list isn't just five. that. Yeah, my whole list isn't just that. I just did include them in there. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll consider those honorable mentions. Let's just okay. put it like that. Okay. Uh, so we'll go from five up to one. I think that's the way that these things work. And uh, we'll take turns. I'll start. Uh, my number five is subspecies. Okay. I fucking love those movies. Like, uh, all of them are directed by Ted Nicolau. They're all written by Nicolau. Um there's just a a fucking quality of them being in Romania this this tangibility of it feeling real that another independent or low budget whatever you want to fucking call it horror film wouldn't be able to accomplish if it were shot in say like you know uh, Redondo Beach or some shit you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to capture Transylvania in Simi Valley. It's just you're just not gonna. And so uh, I fucking love that about the films. I, I love the little subspecies creatures. Uh, I I wanted to put a bunch of full moon uh, films in here, but I I was like, no, let's just limit it to just one full moon franchise because they've got a ton. Of them. You know, you got your your puppet masters, your demonic toys, you you know, uh, doll man and. Uh, you know like tons of them and and I fucking love full moon movies and I could literally probably do a top five full moon franchise list (laughs) and still be like fuck what do I what do I cut out of this (laughs) so so yeah I had to pick one and my one representing full moon is subspecies alright what about you what you got Alright, so my number five, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to just list two because I've switched them back and forth so many times, Um, and I I feel like I enjoy them on equal levels, and they're the big name franchises, so I'll get them out of the way, but my number five, I have Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Wow, um, five. You're going to put them on the list, but you're going to put them at the bottom? I'm going to put God them on the bottom. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it depends on my mood, and that's why it's, it's so back and forth. I mean, when that spring, summer comes around, I want to watch Friday the 13th movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they're, they're just fun movies. They're just enjoyable. And you go in, and you know what you're going to get with them. And it yeah. doesn't take away from them at all. <laughs> and then uh, Night- Nightmare on Elm Street, that was, growing up, that, when I f- got really into horror, that was my favorite franchise. And going back and watching them now, some of the sequels, not that great, but I love the nightmare, just what the fuck mindset that you're in every time you watch them. And 
the the first two I'd say are still hold up as very creepy movies. So, so I what I would say about both Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the Thirteenth is that their first four movies are fucking solid, mm-hmm. and then it just like it teeters real bad. See, for me, my favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie is Part Six. Yeah, and and it's understandable because you know that movie fucking rocks, but. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the first four. Like, uh, and and I wouldn't even say the first one. Uh, you, you you say the first one because it's where it started. But for me, it's two, three, and four. Like, that's a perfect trilogy of horror films to me. Uh, and you don't honestly necessarily even need the first film for the second film to work. And, I still love and the first film. I, I love the first film, and and I like I love it for lots of different reasons. Like, you know, the song "Sail Away, Tiny Sparrow." I just like I adore that song, and and the the end of that film where they have Alice in the canoe and mm-hmm. they're playing that kind of dreamy version of it, and you know, I, like. That shit, it, it hits on a different level for me. Um, but I can take or leave the original Friday the 13th. I just, I feel like it's a, like a light nothing burger of a retread of Halloween. Yeah. But Friday the 13th part two? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that movie fucking rules. And then uh, Friday the 13th part three, I, like... I will go out on a limb and say uh, one of the fucking scariest moments in a fucking horror movie for me watching was when at the end of the film, uh, like the, the whole film's fucking great, but at the end of the film, she's on the boat and she kind of wakes up and she looks up and she sees Jason standing in the window looking at her, but he doesn't have the mask on. And he makes this like, you realization. And, oh, dude, it, it's fucking terrifying. And I just, like, it, it just works so fucking well to me that I, uh, that that scene, that moment, it just, like, that's chef's kiss of fucking horror. <laughs> um, and then, you know, four is just, to me, like, you, you want to tell somebody what Friday the 13th is, you, you show them part four. Mm-hmm. It's it has it hits all the marks perfectly. Like Friday the Thirteenth Part Six is great, but it doesn't it doesn't do the all of the cliches. It doesn't hit all of the beats. And what I'm talking about is breast. And I don't <laughs> I don't care. I, say what you fucking want. You know, horror movies in the '80s was about violence and fucking nudity and having a good time and you know more violence <laughs> like that's that's what 80s fucking horror was about and that's what I fucking love about it it, was, it wasn't supposed to be politically correct it's about people murdering people it's you know it's supposed to be a good time and I could put that movie on right now and have a fucking great time it's candy but it also has heart and uh, you know the, the story of the girl losing her virginity it is done very well. It's not done gratuitously. And, you know, then she's murdered. And, you know, that's done... That's not even done that gratuitously. Her boyfriend, though, 
that's done gratuitously. <laughs> he gets a fucking hand through his face. Love it. See this? I love it. Uh, right, so what do you got for number four? For number four, I have... Sleepaway Camp. I fucking love this series, dude. Like, the the first film, the first Sleepaway Camp is... It's so weird and unique in the sense that, you know, it... It's obviously like a, you know, whodunit slasher and all of those elements, but it, it, it touches on so many fucking, like, ugly dark things you know the pedophilia that you know, yeah the whole uh, thing with the the pedophilia uh, pedophile chef cook whatever he was at the camp where i'm from they call I'm, him baldies yeah i remember <laughs> watching like, and i'm like what the fuck like <laughs> yeah it, and the the scene with the fucking uh curling iron it was just mm-hmm. like it, it fucking rocks and then they changed the tone completely with Unhappy Campers, which I fucking love. <laughs> Usually, I don't like fucking... Uh, I don't like sequels, especially when they change things dramatically. But I feel like after that first movie and, and the realization from the end of the first film, you, you, can't, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. So if you're gonna continue the story you have to go nutty and they just go for it and I thought that you know uh, was it Pamela Springsteen who took over the role from Felissa Rose as Angela I, I believe so yeah I, I I fucking love her in that role and uh, Teenage Wasteland which was part three uh, fucking again you know it, like it starts off with her running somebody over with a big rig, <laughs> it's just, it, it's over the top and it's it's fun, and I I had you know back when I collected physical media, I had gotten the sleepaway kit or sleepaway camp survival kit box set, and it had the uh, the uncompleted uh, sequel that they were doing, which was just terrible and atrocious, uh, but. Those three movies, I I don't know, dude. Like they just fucking work to me, and the artwork for the second, the, the first two uh, Sleepaway Camp artworks are just top tier horror movie artwork to me, and and that's something that I always look for, especially because you know I come from an era where it's like you go to the video store and you pick something based on the cover art, and um. You know, for the original Sleepaway Camp, they have the knife going through the shoe, but then in the background, they have that letter home from uh, the kid to his mom and dad, and it just—I I, just—I fucking love it, dude. Like, it just—that it's such a unique fucking film. But then the second fucking film has that uh, girl that's clearly not Angela, 
but they get some hot chick who has like the Freddy glove and the hockey mask and you know all the shit and it's just like I don't know I, I love it I, I love it and I remember vividly going to the video store and seeing that cover and just being like I need to see this and it was it was like no knowledge of the original Sleepaway Camp but I ended up watching the first one before I watched the second one Mm. <laughs> oh man uh anyway what is your number four my number four is the evil dead franchise now uh, good what were you gonna say uh, i i was going to put evil dead but then i stopped myself because and this is going to be the point where i probably get a lot of heat I feel like um, <laughs> um, hmm. part two is a remake of part one, and it's not even like a good remake of part one. <laughs> um, Only the first like thirty minutes, and it's and it's a setup for you know Army of Darkness, which I fucking love, but I, I'm, I'm not a big Evil Dead two fan. Like, I, I, I love the first, like, fucking love the first season. I think that that's, like, horror mastery. Yeah, really. so yeah. so that's why it's actually that far down on my list. So Evil Dead, the the original, is my favorite horror movie, probably. If, I were, yeah. if, if you were to ask me right off the bat what's your favorite horror movie and I thought nothing about it instantly, I'd probably say Evil Dead. But, I yeah, general consensus is that the second one is superior, but... I don't think so. I, I yeah. love the first one. Um, and I, I also don't agree. Every time I see anything about the first one, I hear like, oh, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. And I, I don't know how much of that is I'm just not catching on to the funny moments and how much of that is yeah, people are just mixing it up hilarious. with the rest of the yeah, <laughs> yeah with the rest <laughs> of the franchise. But the reason it's so far down on my list is because I love the first one. And I did... I, when I first watched the remake or reboot, whatever you want to call it, I mm-hmm. fucking hated it. But watching it now, it's it's just made so fucking well. Yeah. Um, and I, I do love Evil Dead 2. I love Army of Darkness. And I even loved Ash vs. Evil Dead. But those were all just like take it or leave it where the original is just amazing. Yeah. And see, to me, it's, it's a one-movie franchise. It, but then... Like, the rest of the stuff is, like, a cartoon version of that one movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not minimizing those films because, like, I went and saw Army of Darkness in the theater for my birthday when I when it came out. Like, I, I took a bunch of friends. We all went and saw Army of Darkness. Then we went to a pizza hut and we played the fucking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. And it ruled. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I like. Let's go back to that. I want to go back there. Um, But uh, as far as a horror film is concerned, no, I don't. I don't look at those as horror films. I look at those as horror comedies. Mm -hmm. And you know, so it it makes it kind of lesser than. But Evil Dead is a fucking horror movie, and I love Dash versus Evil Dead. I thought it was a great fucking television show that celebrated the history of the films. In a in a very unique way, where it was continuing the story, and it, you know, it's a hero's journey, but the hero is kind of the unlikely hero, and I, I like that, you know. And it's gory as shit, and you know, 
you get Lucy Lawless. How can you be mad? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ash versus Evil Dead rules, and I totally consider it part of the franchise because it's totally canon. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my number three, I went with Poltergeist. I didn't even I didn't even think of Poltergeist. That's a good choice. Yeah, I like the first one is eerie and and everything, and I and I really like it. You know, it's, we could talk at length probably about you know Steven Spielberg and Toby Hooper. And who actually directed what? But, yeah. But it doesn't feel like a Toby Hooper movie. It feels like no. a Spielberg movie. Um, never does it feel like a Toby Hooper movie. Like never in the entirety no. of the Falcon Hole movie does it feel it's like too a, well. It's too well made to be a Toby yeah, Hooper movie. No, it, it feels like a a much darker version of ET. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like like you watch ET and Poltergeist side by side, same fucking movie, pretty much. I- yeah, I, I mean, uh, even before the whole, like, Steven Spielberg thing was brought in, I remember just thinking, yeah, this feels like a Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> yeah, it does not feel like a Toby Hooper movie. No, at all. not at all. Like, at all. Uh, but Poltergeist 2 is scary as shit to me. That old man, uh, you know, God is in his holy temple. Like, that fucking dude creeped me the fuck out. And then the third one which should by all rights be just kind of a shit film because they get rid of the family, they go to this fucking apartment and apartment high rise and they put in like Tom Skerritt and shit. And it's just, it doesn't have the charm of the first two movies, but it's a much fucking darker film. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it just feels evil. Like there's something about those films when you watch them, the, the, the latter two that just, feels evil and and I fucking love that you know so and that's why a terrible it's, remake with <laughs> Sam Rockwell I, I still haven't watched it I was disappointed I love Sam Rockwell as an actor so I was really excited for it and I think it was produced by Sam Raimi so I wanted it's really Ghost House right was it Ghost House yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your number three my number three is Universal Monsters. That's a good pull. I, I went with something very similar for my number two, uh, but not not Universal Monsters. And um, you know, I, I've said this before. I'm not like the, the world's biggest Universal Monster nut, mm-hmm. uh, but I know you are. So yes. by all means. Yeah, I, I love the Universal Monster movies, and it, it I was really back and forth with it, whether I should include it or not, because they're not really a cohesive, you know, they, they don't blend together. They did have crossovers, they had, you know, um, fucking, what is their names? Frankenstein. Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello. Yeah, they had those, like, crossovers and everything, and... So you could argue it on that plane, but I, I just love them. I'm I'm huge on older horror movies. Um, Which is your favorite of the Universal Monster movies? My favorite is Creature of the Black Lagoon. You know what? I fucking loved that movie. I, I was going to review it, and I ended up watching it. And it's like the score in that film 
and the underwater stuff it just it's top notch dude yeah especially for when it was released um and uh, and the second would probably be bride of frankenstein i don't think i've seen that one i know i've seen the original frankenstein i don't think i've seen bride bride is great but they're all just great films and they had even the sequels are enjoyable i i just i have like a, a such an appreciation just watching these movies for the sets and the acting and just yeah i i could go on for a whole episode just about <laughs> the maybe we'll do monsters. that one of these days yeah we'll do a universal monsters uh like breakdown or some shit yeah and uh you know for me my favorite universal monster is probably the wolfman mm-hmm. that that lon cheney film fucking works dude like with the with the fucking mark of the beast on his hand and shit like i i remember watching that and thinking man this is fucking sad this is this is like depressing <laughs> and i i think that's what they were going for mm-hmm. the mummy feels rapey to me <laughs> always has the mummy feel- the mummy is probably my least favorite of the the original universal monsters i i, I go by the eight films um mm-hmm. as the originals and that's that's probably my least favorite but i fucking love the brendan fraser remakes because they're just so fucking fun <laughs> yeah it's like indiana jones yeah with exactly the mummy. and yeah. It, it works the it's first perfect. two yeah uh, they only do two right I think they did three. I think they did three, and then Scorpion King. That Scorpion King movie was caca. Yeah, (laughs) caca. Um, to my number two, I went with Godzilla. I fucking uh, I don't love all of the Godzilla films. I don't love all of any fucking franchise. That, that's mm-hmm. that's the problem is that most of these, with every franchise, when you know the longer they run, the more room you have for them to put stinkers out. And when they got into was it Godzuki? I think is what they <laughs> called him, uh, the little baby Godzilla. Uh, Son of Godzilla and you know all of that shit. Uh, it's like okay, I'm I'm over this. <laughs> but uh, you know that was kind of the end of the show era. The Hase era stuff really fucking works. Like uh, Destroya, I-, I love that fucking movie, and it, it calls back to uh, which one was it? Where they use the uh, God damn it! I'm I'm gonna blank because I'm put on the spot, but it it's a callback to one of the early early fucking Godzilla films, and it just I don't know, dude. Like the thing that works about Godzilla to me is that it's an allegory for you know nuclear war, mm-hmm. and if you know. Any com- any country is going to resonate with nuclear war and the the tonal elements of that. It's Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you you look at the uh, Shin Gojira, where it's 
literally, it's like the the answer to that big nuclear meltdown that happened in uh, what was that? Fuck! It was like two. No, no, no. In Japan, they had had a huge earthquake, and it had made the uh, their radiation. Uh, what are they called? It melted down, and uh, I forget what what country it happened in. Uh, Nagoya, I think, or something shit like that. Um, again. Uh, that, I don't know, man. It was, uh, it happened on March 11th. They had had a big tsunami and earthquake, and uh, they had had a meltdown. And the whole film is an allegory for the corporate red tape that slowed the process for them to actually take care of the problem. And that's what Shin Gojira's completely about it's a fucking great movie and uh, I, I've also really enjoyed the Netflix uh, anime films that have been released they're very bleak and you know so yeah Godzilla yeah I, yeah, I, I think too um, just like mirroring off of what I had said for Universal Monsters is you gotta appreciate what they worked with at the time I mean the way they made that movie it wouldn't be appreciated today, but it's so innovative and creative that you're like, you have to look at it from that standpoint and really appreciate it. Okay, you're number two. <clears throat> My number two. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, yes. Um, these movies, I fucking love them. Even at their worst, they're still enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, The Next Generation. Yep. And that's such a fucking batshit crazy it's movie. A, it's, it's by film standpoint, it's a shit movie. It's a terrible movie, but it's so fucking fun to watch. Yeah. I, all, all of them are just so fun. The original, of course, is like a masterpiece, and I think... I, for a while, I hated the second one because I wanted that horror feel that the first one gave. But the more I thought about it, you know, as I got older watching, I'm like, it's kind of smart. Toby Hooper knew that he couldn't mirror that. Like, he couldn't copy that. Like, why try and one-up it? Just make it fun. Yeah, and for me, the second is my favorite. Like, I love the first one. It's good. I, I love it now. I love the second one. I too. But, uh, you know, I, I'm a big Carolyn Williams mark, yep. and uh, Bill Mosley is mm-hmm. amazing as Chop Top in that fucking mo- movie. You beat my plate, you dog dick! <laughs> and, yeah, they're all great. Uh, I, even, this is one of the franchises, too. I would never say that it's better than the original, but the remake was really good. Yeah. This is, this is one of the only remakes that I will give a claim to it's fucking solid uh, I will say that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was great and I would also go out on a limb and say that I enjoyed the Friday the 13th remake I did too yeah uh, you know again I I have HBO Max and my my son is like oh, what can I watch what should I watch and so I because he wanted to watch horror movies and I was like you know what you can watch this Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This one's good. 
Uh, don't watch this one at the beginning. That, that shit sucked. Uh, watch this Friday the 13th remake. Don't watch that Nightmare on Elm Street remake bullshit. It sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, so. Friday the 13th is my favorite movie theater experience that I've ever had. <laughs> that opening scene is fucking great. Well, that's why, that's why we... I, I remember we... <clears throat> um, I, I've told this before. I don't know if I've told it on, on a show with you, but we went opening night for it, and... Everybody in the theater was just so visibly pissed off because of how fast everybody was dying. And we're like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's going to be over. It, like, it, this is the shortest fucking movie ever. And then, like, 30 minutes in, the title card opens, and everybody in the theater just stood up and started clapping. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's... it's def- uh, I think we're going to definitely be talking about this in the remake episode, so I don't want to spend too much time. But, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Vincent DeSanti, who directed Never Hike Alone, hates, hates the fucking <laughs> yeah, movie. I know. <laughs> and, and, and I love telling him how much I enjoy it because it, it just gets a rise out of him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, what is... It's my turn, right? It's for your number turn. One. Number one. You wanna do, do you want to do honorable mentions first? Yeah, let's do our honorable mentions. Then okay. you'll be able to guess what my number one is. I don't think you'll get it. I don't think <laughs> I don't you're going to get it. I, you you will never guess mine. So my honorable mentions are Hatchet. Yep, the Hatchet series. I feel like of you know I think we're in a place now where we need these franchises to kind of come back and feel a little bit like what it felt like in the eighties. I think that there's an audience of people that would love that, and instead of you know rehashing things and bringing these characters back in remakes create new ones and so i would say that uh terrifier and hatchet are my two like current like modern horror films that i want to see franchised like mm-hmm. really fucking bad like i can't wait to watch terrifier too um <clears throat> and i really like i don't know some people shit on victor crowley but i fucking love that movie i think it's a lot of fun and uh, Hatchet for a while was my number one. So just, you know. Uh, my other honorable mentions are the Slumber Party Massacre series. I, it's it's a lot of just dumb fun. But the, the first one is, like, you know, they, they talk about horror films as being, uh, you know, objectifying to women and, you know, just kind of poor taste and all this shit. But I would go out on a limb and say that um, to me Slumber Party Massacre the original is a feminist statement and it's directed by Amy Holden Jones who's you know a female director who worked with guys like Roger Corman and you know like that scene of filmmakers where it was a very boys club and out of that boys club she was able to make to me one of the best slasher films of the 80s and it it is very feminine in in the sense that you know they they explore what it is to be a young girl in a way that i didn't see it in a lot of those films at that time and it it definitely has a female perspective where a lot of those films were from a very male perspective and the, the men were very powerful and everything and you know the drill itself is a phallus and they break the phallus at the end of the film it just it fucking works 
and I and I love it a lot. Uh, last honorable mention, I mentioned it when I talked about uh, subspecies, but it's Puppet Master. I fucking love those movies, dude. Like I could put on any one of those. Maybe not the latter ones, like when you get into like Curse of Puppet Master and mm-hmm. shit like that. But uh, I don't know, dude. Like there's something about little evil dolls. And them taking pieces of the brain to help power them. I, I, I just fucking love it, dude. And I think they're so creative, so inventive. And... I, I am terrified of dolls. And there's a scene from one of the Puppet Master movies. I haven't watched all of them. I think I watched the first three. And I don't remember which one it was. I think it's but... Puppet Master 2 where Torch burns a little kid. No, no, no. Oh, I thought you um, that scene. The, the girl one, I don't remember her name. I don't remember Bleach? her name. Yeah. Yeah. She's when she's throwing up leeches on the guy. Yes. Oh my god, that fucking part scarred me for years. <laughs> Dude, the, those movies rule. Uh, and and those the characters are so fucking. Each each toy is unique. Each puppet, mm-hmm. and you know you get Pinhead, you got Blade, you got Six Shooter. Uh, you know what was the fucking? You got Torch, you got the Leech Lady, and um, I think that's all of them. I think I'm sure I missed some. But yeah, uh, I I'm doing uh, <clears throat> my right arm. I'm covering in horror characters. I'm doing like a full sleeve. I just got a Freddy Krueger tattoo. But across my forearm, I want to get the heads of the different puppets from Puppet Master. I think that'd be cool. I like them a lot. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. What are yours? Um. So I have two. One of them is Hatchet. Love the Hatchet movies. Wasn't big on Victor Crowley. Um, I thought it went more in the comedic route, which I didn't really care for. It. I mean, the first three obviously were cheesy, had their parts, but mm-hmm. I feel like Victor Crowley went strictly for comedy. So wasn't big on that. But the first three were fucking gold. I love them. I had so much fun watching them. More than I, more fun than I was expecting. And it's probably the only newer franchise that I've really just gotten into. <laughs> I, I the the scene where the chick gets her jaw ripped open is so unexpected mm-hmm. that it just it it worked like that was the that was the thing about the first hatchet that just blew my hair back is how fucking violent it was. Yeah, just for no good goddamn go- reason. And going back to what we had said earlier about um, the practical effects versus CGI, like they did it so well, yeah, in this in these movies. And I also there's so many horror cameos, so. I mean, it opens up with fucking Robert England getting murdered. Like yeah. you're like, okay, we're 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 off to the races. Yeah, even in the first one, you had Tony Todd. It, yeah. Yeah. And you know, Kane Hodder getting a fucking second bite of the apple as Victor Crowley is is I, something you want to see. I wish that he would uh, advertise Victor Crowley more than Jason. He does Jason. He, he's a way better Victor Crowley than he is a Jason. He's my least favorite Jason. I I wouldn't even say that. It's just that he he's made a whole career on flaunting the you know Friday the Thirteenth series, but he's Jason in the worst movies. <laughs> uh, he's like I said, he's my least favorite. Like yeah. I, I prefer C.J. Graham over Kane Hodder. Uh, mm-hmm. Just spade a spade uh but even cj is not my favorite and don't tell cj i said that because he will choke me (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah 
I, I really fucking love the Hatchet movie. What was yeah. your other one? Um, this is the one you're gonna give me shit for. <laughs> um, Blair Witch. Now, mm. I, I don't, I don't think that the movies are good. <laughs> I'm gonna say mm. that. I don't, I don't think that the movies are good. Um, the second one and the new one that was done, released in 2016, not good movies at all. Even the first one wouldn't really say that it was good. It scared the shit out of me when I was a kid watching it when I was home alone because we lived back in the woods and I watched it in the middle of the night. So at the end when the credits come up and there's no music or anything, I didn't want to get up to turn my TV off. I went and saw um, that first one in the theater. And I, I, you know, bought into the hype and people talking mm -hmm. about how it was fucking terrifying and all this shit. And I just remember the, the lights came up after the movie was over mm -hmm. and I went with my mom and I, I'm very, very respectful of my mom. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't swear in front of her. There's rare occasions where a swear will slip. Like uh, we went and saw Hellraiser bloodline in the theater together. And mm -hmm. uh, the scene when uh, Mershant uh, gets decapitated, I went, what the fuck? <laughs> And then, like, put my hand over my mouth, like, oh, no, I just cussed in front of my mom. <laughs> um, but I, I couldn't help it. The The movie, like I said, the lights came up. I turned. I looked at her. And I was just like, the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I know. What the hell? <laughs> so my, my appreciation for it just goes to... Um just like the lore that they have around it i mean they have like fake documentaries about the mm -hmm. town and like the history and just like the whole marketing campaign that they did for like up to the release of the movie no where, it was brilliant it hooked me yeah uh, I'm, yeah i'm not great. gonna disagree but uh it should it should have ended right there <laughs> yeah and i think that a lot of it so uh, the first one was such a success that the studio instantly were like, yeah, we want to do another one. Yeah. And the guys who had made it were like, no, nah, we don't want to do another one. That's that's it. You're not going to, you know, lightning's not going to strike twice. We're not doing it. So the studio said, okay, well, then we'll do it without you. And I think that they just let it out. But the marketing for it, just the lore and, like, the fake documentaries and everything that you can dig into – I just I don't know why I just it just hooks me so much but it I don't love it enough to where I would include it on my top five that's why it's just honorable mention but fair enough yeah all right so now there's only one left for each of us it's yep. number one time and my number one franchise and again I'm gonna preface this with with saying that I did not go with any of the major ones for a reason I just feel like it would have been too easy. And then it would have been like, okay, so what's four and five? You know, <laughs> so um, my number one is the Dead franchise. Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, Survival of the Dead. You know, I don't know why, but I didn't even think of those. Those definitely would have made 
by and at least honorable mentions. It's weird because like, like I, I love the first trilogy because it's two different trilogies, and you you could say what you want about, you know, the role and no. It's two different trilogies, and you got your original trilogy, and when that ends, it's pretty much over. Short of them, like, bringing, you know, Bub, Bob, Bub, um, into Land of the Dead, that's the only way that they would have been able to tie those films together, and apparently uh, the survivors from Day of the Dead are doing their own kind of loose sequel, kind of in the vein of what Jaretta is doing. So, um, I don't know. I'm curious to find out what that is and see kind of what becomes of that, if anything. Um, but, like, Night of the Living Dead is a tentpole film for me. Like, it, again, when I was just getting into horror films, I ended up watching this like you know you, you go to blockbuster you get a bunch of bullshit and, um on october during october they would release or sell these like horror classics that were blockbuster re-releases so that's where i bought my first copy of halloween and uh, like rosemary's baby and uh night of the living dead was another one that they were selling and it, it like it blew my mind so much that I, in the seventh grade, in history class, wrote a article, well, not an article, a report on Night of the Living Dead and its importance to the civil rights movement. Like, that's the kind of fucking shit that my, the way my brain worked at that age, and it was because of movies like this. And, you know, Dawn of the Dead is its a complete indictment on consumerism. And Day of the Dead is a complete indictment on the military-industrial complex. And, you know, then Land of the Dead is a rehash of consumerism. <laughs> like, I really, really wanted to like Land of the Dead, but I didn't. It's just, it's super corny and it's hokey, and I hate saying that because, you know, George is gone. But I'm not a fucking fan of that movie. I, I love Ozzy Argento. I, I love that they had the guys. Land from, of the Dead was the one where they started talking, right? Yes, where they had you know Big Daddy, yeah. and yeah, you know, like uh, it's just it's a mess of a film, and it it's much more ambitious than it had any right to be. Um, it seems like it it's it was him trying to do what he was originally trying to do with Day of the Dead which was originally titled Island of the Dead and um, I just I, I wasn't a big fan of it and I wanted to be but I just I wasn't um, Diary of the Dead I fucking love like I I know a lot of people don't like that movie but there's just something so fucking ahead of its time with this desire, this need to keep documenting and and you know posting and sharing, you know the, this this drug of needing to you know 
even though the world's falling apart around you, to document it all and, and share. And you know, you look at you know this fucking pandemic we went through. You know, it became about memes and you know people like like I fucking when I got my fucking COVID shots, I filmed it. Why did I need to do that? I should just be able to go get my fucking shot and know that I'm protected, right? But there's just this weird compulsion that we have to share everything. And he was way ahead of the, the fucking curve with that, to me. And, you know, survival of the dead is a piece of shit. Um, it, it, there's, there's no nice way to say it. It's depressing that that's like his last movie. And that was his last entry into the the Dead series, and, you know, because it it felt like he had something to say with Diary, and that he was just making a movie with survival. I don't know. That's that's me. I I love those movies though. I think that they each one was released, you know, at a at a important time in in the world, you know, and they each are relevant in their own way to something and well not not survival survival's terrible um but <laughs> like land of the dead's post 9-11 you know mm-hmm. documented the, or diary of the dead is the birth of social media and this this just desire to share everything and survival of the dead is just a piece of shit what's <laughs> your mean, number one is- Life is shit right now. Maybe that's where they were going for. <laughs> yeah, maybe, 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 maybe he had, you know, maybe he had something that he knew, and he was just like, "I'm out of here. I'm fucking gone. It's about to get nutty as fuck. They're gonna elect Trump. I'm dead. <laughs> I miss, I miss George. I miss that there was a guy like George Romero that existed. That you know." fucking said things that people didn't always say he he said he didn't say the popular thing he said the right thing mm-hmm. so. now those, those, that's a good choice for number one i didn't like i said i don't know why i didn't even think of those um coming up with the list but they definitely would have made at least my honorable mentions so what's your number one my man my number one because we didn't specify movies is silent hill Is there more than one of those? Or are you including the video games? I'm talking video games. The movies okay. are bad. <laughs> yeah, no, the, okay. The movies, the movies are bad. <laughs> um, the video games are fucking masterpiece games. Uh, for the most part, there's some not so great ones. But um, there's just so much to them that I could spend an entire fucking week just talking about them. <laughs> but, um, I mean, everything that goes into those games especially the first four are just everything's planned out perfectly so uh, the enemies in the games are reflections of the characters in the games the town is very much its own character and just the background the lore it's all just so fucking well done silent hill 2 everything from the story the soundtrack everything is 
literally the greatest fucking horror masterpiece ever. And I will argue that to a team. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I know that you're not super familiar with them, but so fucking good. I'm going to have to take your word on it. Um, but yeah, man, that we did it. We, we, we talked about, we introduced ourselves. We talked about some news. We complained about shitty takes in the world. I cussed out a fucking cholo on a motorcycle. I think I think this is a pretty successful first episode. What do you say? Yeah. What say you? Uh, I think that uh, you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there. We're gonna we're gonna figure out everything. We're gonna work out the kinks. We're gonna we're gonna find a rhythm, and uh, we're gonna keep doing this. I, I look forward to doing this. This is this is gonna quickly become one of my favorite things to do because I love horror films and I love talking about them with people that are genuinely. It's I definitely, I definitely needed it. Uh, I've, it's been a well over a year since I've recorded anything. I missed it. Yeah, and you know, I, without getting too gushy, uh, it's, it's exciting to have somebody that I feel is of equal mind. You know, that I can discuss these things with because a lot of the times I feel like it's like, you know, I'm the weird person and. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, did you ever see fucking Cannibal Holocaust? It's awesome. Why is it awesome? Oh, well, this chick gets impaled with a fucking pole. <laughs> comes out of her mouth, and they cut up a turtle. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you say that to somebody else, and they're like, okay, um, kids, you're not allowed to go over his house anymore. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, to find a like-minded person that I can have these conversations with is is ideal to me so i I just wanted to thank you because this is going to be a good time we're not always gonna see eye to eye we're not always i think that's gonna make for good episodes though i mean we i mean we agree on a lot of stuff yeah i will say but there's a lot of stuff that we definitely don't agree on so it, it makes for good but we can do it civilly and yeah, like it, it you, makes for you, good conversation. You use Blair Witch as an honorable mention, and I just <laughs> I let it go. I yeah. let it go. I was, I was waiting like, for the call to disconnect. <laughs> I was like, you're talking about the Blair Witch Project, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but you know, you guys, this is this is us very new to the game. Um, this is not going to be. The end of creature features for anybody that's wondering. I am going to be working on a a Freddy versus Jason special, and and what I mean by that is I'm going to be uh, reviewing two films, both one involving Freddy, the other involving Jason, and I'm going to weigh in on both, tell you which one I like more, tell you which one won the fight. Uh, we're gonna, well, I am going to be talking about Jason Rising, the new Friday the Thirteenth fan film. Uh, that has garnered quite the bit of controversy, <laughs> if I do say so myself, uh, just based on certain cameos and uh, creative decisions that they made. And we're going to be talking about the uh, upcoming documentary. It hasn't been released yet, but I'm cool with the filmmaker, so I got an early copy of it. So uh, the, the documentary I'm talking about is Fredheads. That is. Uh, 
all about the fandom of Friday the 13th, and I'm going to have some things to say about that as well. I hope you guys uh, give that one a listen. Uh, but we're going to come back. I think the next episode we're going to talk remakes in our in our top five. I think that's right, right? Can we I actually, I, I had an idea for a second episode. Okay. Shit, then, then don't take my word for that. Uh, it could be... <laughs> Literally anything, uh, Dylan might just drop some gold into my lap and we just roll with that. Uh, I do want to I do want to do a remake episode at some point because I feel like there's a lot of discussion to have on this. Yeah, and um, you know, nobody says that the, what this is is what it will be. Um, you know, we're gonna figure it out, and eventually we're gonna figure out what it is. And I hope you guys go along for the ride with us. Um, that's gonna do it for Dylan and Chunky's horrifying tales of horror. So, for Dylan Jarvis and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This is the first episode of the horrifying tales of horror from GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. We'll see you next Tuesday. Geeks of the Industry.